The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Nicole McLaughlin, a product designer whose upcycled creations have taken Instagram and the larger world of art, design, and the outdoors by storm. We talk creating in quarantine, designing within constraints, and her hopes for the future of upcycling and sustainability. Joining me today is Nicole McLaughlin, um, a product designer, um, formerly of Reebok, now doing her, her own thing. Um, you've probably seen her on Instagram. Um, your work is incredible. It's, it's really made the rounds, especially in this last year. Um, you know, so thanks for taking some time and uh, talking with me today a little bit about your work and kind of what you're facing right now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be able to talk and to have some interaction during this time at home. Yeah. Now, how are you doing personally during this time? How has it been for you? Yeah, it's been good. It's definitely coming in waves. So I've been super creative at points, just like can't stop making stuff, but then also like you just don't want to do anything at points. So I think everyone's kind of in the same boat though. Right. And you just kind of got to ride that wave when it does come. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, have you ever tried to force it and it just doesn't come out? Is, is that something that you've tried to do? It's, Oh, I need to be productive during this time, but, but you know, you, you try to do that and you just can't. Yeah, no, I think that's honestly like how I felt, especially the first couple of weeks, because I was like, well, I'm home, like I'm not normally like in a studio this long, so I'm usually traveling. So I was like, oh, I really need to be doing all this stuff. I need to be active. And I don't know, I think once I put that pressure on myself, I was like hitting that creative block. So I think it took a little bit of time just to get through that and to find kind of a nice routine that worked for me and also just kind of let go and see what ideas came to me rather than trying to give myself some type of rigid outline of what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Because what is anything supposed to be right now? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it, it was exciting. We, we had talked a few months back and um, we had originally planned on having you on campus and, and working with our outdoor product design students. And, um, you know, they're super passionate about the work that you do, about upcycling, about sustainability, about making products that matter and not just more stuff. We've got plenty of stuff, as you're mm-hmm. well aware of, um, as you're sorting through and finding, you know, new items for, for inspiration. But, um, we're looking forward to having you out on campus. And unfortunately, right now with everything going on, we can't do that. So this is really the next best thing. So I appreciate you taking time to just share a little bit about your background and um, kind of what you're going through right now. But hopefully we can have that that happen in the future. Uh, yeah, when we get I hope back so. to a new normal of some kind. So <laughs> Yeah, that's something to look forward to, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, and you've you've had a busy uh, last year or last couple of years is an understatement, I'd say. Um, and so maybe we can go through that. Um, for those who might not know about your background and, and really, you know, everything that you're doing, do you mind sharing a little bit about kind of how you got into design um, and then kind of how you've transitioned into product design? Because you haven't always had been a product designer necessarily, but yeah, uh, if you could share a little bit about your background, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Um, so I wasn't, planning on getting into this industry. It just kind of happened. But I was always sort of creative in a weird way. I think just from like early on in my life, I was always like drawing and and making stuff. I always gravitated towards creating something physically, um, which I really think has been apparent in like the stuff that I'm doing now. It it always takes me back to like when I first started just messing around with paper and things in my bedroom as a kid. So um, that was, that was definitely something as like a kid growing up, I would 
do. And also I got into sign language when I was in high school. So I had a deaf boyfriend for a while. Um, And so I think I started to find different avenues of creativity and kind of picked up that spirit of self-learning and teaching myself to do things because maybe it wasn't a part of the curriculum in school. And even if I took an art class in school, it might not have been fulfilling me creatively like entirely. So I would go home and make things and do things out outside of of my regular nine to five or school. Um, So then for for college, I ended up trying to pursue sign language and speech language pathology, which I started to realize like once I got to college, I was like, oh, I, I like sign language as an art form, not for the science and the the neurology and all the stuff that comes along with it. So I ended up switching my major and started to do more digital media. So I was doing actually photography, um, videography, which was still, it was something that I wasn't really sure if I was into or not, because I really loved that tangible physical aspect of it. Um, But during that time is really when I started to just open my mind to any type of creativity and all different forms of creating, um, which then led me to my position at Reebok, which was really exciting because I had no idea what I was doing. I just applied for an internship. I just went out on a limb and was like, could I get an internship in one of these bigger companies? Um, And so I applied as a graphic designer and I somehow was able to get that and worked super hard while I was there. So that's really when I got exposed to product. So it all kind of comes back around, but that's really when I started to learn about footwear, apparel, and construction. Did you always have an interest in uh, in sport and outdoor and, and kind of that industry that you were going to find yourself kind of falling into? Was, were you drawn to that because of past experiences or experiences you had in the outdoors or in sports? Yeah. So I was always super active as a kid. Like I was always outside and would love hiking and running. Um, And then I played lacrosse for quite a bit in college. um, And I still run and I rock climb now is probably like my main sport. Um, So I definitely found myself wanting to be a part of the industry of like creating something for sport with a a creative at the forefront, but sport was something that was a through line. How... I think a lot of people like to, I don't know, maybe they don't choose to do this, but I think in ways we like put ourselves into boxes. You weren't going to just say, I'm a graphic designer. That's all I do. Um, You know, you started working in product. How important is it to you um, to just leave yourself open and and not pigeonhole yourself in in one thing? I I know sometimes I see our students doing that a little bit. And I think as people, we just kind of naturally want a thing, like one thing Mm -hmm. that we do, because that's maybe easier to wrap our heads around. Personally, I I really appreciate my younger self for keeping an open mind. And it's something that I always encourage people, young people that are just starting out, don't limit yourself. And it, it might be good to really hone one craft and get really good at it and and skilled. But at the same time, you want to be able to see all sides of the coin and to be able to let yourself explore anything that you're into at that moment. And I have to say, even with the products that I do now, it might not have been something that I was doing in college or grew up doing. But because I had uh, more of a photography and graphic design background layout and the way that I present my work that I create is super important to me because you can make a really great product and then when you photograph it or showcase it, it might not have cohesion or it's, it just isn't coming across as you want it to. So those are all things that I now look back in each little uh, creative endeavor that I had along the way is, is playing a part in what I'm doing now. Right. So what you mentioned, graphic design was what you were working on at Reebok. What was your experience like there? Uh, what are some of the lessons that you learned? Um, and then when did some of this upcycling 
um, you know, your own designs? When did that start to happen during that time? Or, or had you been starting to do that before you started? So I wasn't doing any upcycling beforehand. Um, and I, like I was saying, when I got to Reebok, like, I had no product experience. So I was creating graphics for like running apparel. And uh, later I was the graphic designer for classic. So I would do like throwback t-shirts and like cool fun graphics. But honestly, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I'm always very transparent with that. I just really was learning as I was going. Um, But I got more skilled at using the programs like Illustrator and Photoshop and um, some 3D programs. So that was really during that time I got better at digital, um, but naturally started to get I guess a little inspired by just the products that were around me. So I wasn't creating footwear, but if I was making a graphic to be applied to a footwear tech pack, I would have to open it and kind of check it out. And then also with Reebok, I'm super grateful. I was able to have the experience of going to factories and learning a lot about supply chain and, and even fully to marketing. Like you see the whole entire cycle of product. And so it was really during that time that I was like, I became so curious about how product was made. Um, And when you work for one of these bigger companies or any company that creates product, you're just surrounded by boxes of samples and fabrics and color chips. And it's, it's hard not to be curious and inspired. So it was really during that time that I was doing these graphics, um, that I would at late night be in the office and start picking up some shoes that were getting shredded or thrown out or whatever and start to just mess around and deconstruct it and kind of see what would happen. I had no plan. And I always am like, I didn't go in with like knowledge of sewing or any type of construction. So I was just like curious to take apart some stitching and see what it would look like really raw and um, undone. And that's really when I started to realize, like, I started to see things I'd never seen before. Um, So it was really just being surrounded by all that product, but then it started to follow me home. And I would start taking apart things that I had in my house that I wasn't using. And I think it was that mindset of like, anything could be created into something else. And that's really when the ethos of upcycling was born for me. Right. When you're looking at an item, um, do you have an idea in your head first of, of something that, and you go seek out an item or do you look at an item first and say, well, that could become something mm-hmm. else? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's both. So I get that question quite a bit because there's some projects that I have like randomly, I'll just get like such a clear vision. I'm like, I know, like I see a product, I'm like, I know what that could be. And then there's other times where I have to kind of let my imagination run a little bit. And that's when I go to like a thrift store or some type of secondhand store, even look on eBay or online somewhere just to see what's there and kind of give myself that prompt to reimagine it. Um, But you start to get more familiar with materials, especially like foreign objects that you wouldn't normally create things out of, you just start to understand like construction and and the shape that it would make. So if I pick a product, maybe like a sporting equipment, like a volleyball or something, I can now kind of see the shapes that it could make the more experience that I've had working with those items. So that's helped a ton. And I'd say when it comes to honing crafts, that's probably something that I, I'd say over the past few years I've gotten better at is just being able to visualize, which is, I think, a really important skill because you go into something having a little bit more of an understanding about it, but still anything could happen. And that's something that I've learned because sometimes I'm like, oh, it's clear vision. And then I get to the product that it's just, it doesn't work and you have to be able to pivot. And maybe it was a shoe idea becomes a hat idea, you know? Right. Our, our students, we, we try to teach them like they need to develop multiple skills, like multiple ways to be able to communicate their ideas and communicate designs. And, you know, a lot of that's digitally or, or through sketching, but there's that hands-on prototyping side. That's, that's so important because you get that tactile, like, well, how is this thing actually constructed in the, in the physical world? Or how would I actually put this together? Or how do the materials react? And, um, I guess my next question is, is like when you are, when you do have an idea, do you start with 
sketching that out or is it right into arts and crafts, right? And mm. right into the prototyping or is it, is it, or, or do you have an idea and you're kind of figuring it out? You kind of mentioned this, like as you start crafting, maybe a new idea comes from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. Um, I think I've, I've actually gone more to the sketching route over the past year because I wasn't, I'm not usually home this much. So I've been traveling quite a bit for workshops and for panels and that kind of stuff, which I'm super excited about and super grateful for. But at the same time, I'm not sitting at my desk at my studio all day long being able to like, oh, I have an idea. I'm just going to make it right now. So when I am there, I want to be able to maximize that time. So I'll sketch things out beforehand just to understand like, okay, um, this is the material that I have available. I'm going to create this piece out of it. If it doesn't work out, what else could it be? Um, and I think the more that I've gotten into sketching, I, I see the idea a little bit more clearly when I'm going into it. But I also like to leave it open. And I think especially during this time of being home and having limited limited in a sense resources. I definitely have a lot of scrap materials to work with, but not giving myself too much boundaries and still leaving it open for me to be able to explore it. Um, but it's, I think it's important to kind of go in with a little bit of a plan. Right. Yeah. So you were doing a lot of this in the evenings after work when you were at Reebok, when did you start to put it out into the world and, and, uh, I guess, were you nervous to do that? You had been through a design program, you know, you'd, you'd been working in the design field. And so I imagine you'd have quite a bit of experience with, with critique and, and taking that. Um, but was there still a mental barrier of like putting your work out into the world and attaching your name to it? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, that was, that was honestly like such a surreal time to be able to do that because I had been getting like design critiques and and doing the whole thing at work but it was for my graphics which was something that I had more experience in where I was always creating these shoes and these garments that were very janky and just kind of slopped together in a way that I was like the message is there it's not constructed the right way but I could potentially build on this. Um, So I had been creating these things like in my bedroom at home at night for probably like a good year before I started to get the confidence to put it out there. I think it took like quite a bit of time, even though like I was getting like a few people be like, oh, this looks cool or like nice work or whatever. I still didn't have the confidence in myself, but something changed. And I think it was like around 2018 is really when I started to become super consistent. And I love saying that word because that's what changed everything for me is being consistent, creating something pretty much every single day, whether it worked, whether I wanted to show anybody, whether it was just for me, consistency is what changed my career trajectory is it was just me putting myself out there and being like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to continue making stuff even if it doesn't work. And so it was 2018 when I started just putting pieces out that I was making at home, whether it was a rough prototype or something that I was like, "Uh, this is finalized, this is it. So I was putting out everything. And I was, I think at that point on Instagram, I was putting like three projects out a week, which was like, I can't even now I'm like, Oh my God, that's so exhausting. Um, but that's when things took off because I was, I opened that side of myself and I was just really vulnerable being like, here's what I have to offer. And people really picked up on it. And I was super grateful that people were interested in seeing it. And the more feedback I got and the more different types of community following that I had, it was design people. It was not, it was regular people that were chefs and everyone was weighing in on it. And it was just so cool to see everyone's perspective. So that's really when it changed. What were you expecting um, when you really started to put out your work consistently? I guess, what were you hoping for? What was, what was your goal? Was it more to just push yourself and give you some level of accountability? I, I can't imagine you ever thought, maybe you did, maybe you thought this will blow up. I, I don't know. What were you thinking <laughs> um, when you were putting your work out there? What, was, what were you hoping for? It was definitely not 
what this this is not what I planned to happen. It was really just to show work and yeah, hold myself kind of accountable, be able to create things and not keep it to myself, get feedback. And because I was looking for maybe the next step in my career, I didn't foresee myself becoming a freelance designer. I never thought I'd have my own business. That wasn't a part of the plan. I was like making goals for myself as a graphic designer. By the time I was 30, I was like, oh, I'll be a senior designer. And then like within a year, my whole life just completely changed. So it just shows that you really can't plan what's going to happen. You can take steps and you can have goals, but you never really know. So, um, but you also have to be able to pivot and to be able to kind of go with it. So once I started to realize people were into it and it was getting picked up more and more, I, it was a challenge for myself because I was creating those things like with hot glue and staples. And I didn't really know, like it was a rough idea and people knew it as a rough idea, but for myself and my personal growth, I was like, well, I want to be able to fully construct these things. So I need to learn how to sew. I need to learn how to use different machines and tools. And so that's, it was still during that time that early phases of putting my work out there is when I just decided I wanted to make this a real thing and dedicated my time to sewing and learning how to use all those tools. And yeah, once I learned how to do that and I could actually sew a garment together and didn't have to sit there and hand stitch it for 20 hours, it cut my time in half and I was able to run with it. When did you realize that um, you wanted to start doing this full-time and freelance? Again, you were still working at Reebok. When was the moment that you realized I could go out and just do this and this is the direction that I want to go? Was there a moment where you kind of slowly feeling like you wanted to do that anyways? And then once stuff started to pick up, you you realized it was viable? When was that moment for you? Yeah, I mean, I had been doing it for quite a while and I was exhausted. Like, I'll just be straight up. I was working a full-time job and working another full-time job because I started to get inquiries and like some projects and things that were coming in. But like I, I was working for a company, so you're only, you're limited to your time obviously but there's also layers of non-competes and I had to be super careful and I was always very transparent with Reebok what I was doing like it was also very hard to hide because at that point my Instagram was going crazy and I was like I don't know what's happening like it's all so um, yeah that was really I think it was around January February 2019 so a little over a year ago I started to get projects that I was like I want to do that. Like, I don't want to turn that down, but it kind of is going to conflict with what I have going on with work. And I was also at kind of a crossroads with my graphic design career. I was like, I don't know if this is something that I really want to pursue. Um, I just think I could be doing more than this. I mean, I think I had been there for four years, so it was kind of that time where you start to get the itch, like, what's next? Um, But I was like very nervous to make this my career because I was like how do you become a freelancer how do you start your own business I was like trying to google it it's really difficult to like get information of how to start an LLC so I was like I don't know what I'm doing but I have a good feeling about it and I just felt like what I was doing and the designs and kind of the ethos that I started wasn't really fully being executed anywhere else that I saw and it would think it was just the perfect storm of like you have an idea that people are interested in and like you're checking a box that's not being checked you need to follow that you need to continue to figure out what that is and so even though I had no idea what I was doing I had a good feeling so it was May June of last year so almost a year ago that I quit with like I had two decent projects under my belt like in the future and like kind of a contract in the work so nothing was like concrete when I left and I was like this is probably scary and my parents were freaking out but that's beside the point um but I was like it's gonna work out it's gonna be fine is if you are confident at least in what you're doing and you take that leap you're not gonna let yourself fail at least that was my idea and we're doing okay. Yeah. What, what's been the, the big difference, um, you know, working 
in the corporate world versus freelance? What what have been the the benefits, the downsides, like the pros and cons? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've you've kind of you've you've had a year of doing the freelance, and and now we're in kind of unprecedented territory. So taking that aside, I guess what are the pros and cons that you've been able to see um, from both of those experiences? Yeah, I mean, there's so many like great things that I learned being at a corporation. So I like, I always will look back on that time and like know that it shaped who I am as a designer to be able to go off and go freelance. I know some people out of school choose to go freelance and then they go corporate. It's honestly, it's really up to your path and how you decide to do it. Um, I was thankful only because I didn't have a product background. So I am grateful that I did have that experience before. But I'd say going freelance was difficult because structure wise, you you don't have time, you don't have <clears throat> in place like um, a day to day, like schedule meetings, like that kind of stuff. You have to really build that yourself. Um, it gets a little bit lonely if it is just you at first, I'd say like having the camaraderie of being around designers and being in an office space with other creatives, it helps push yourself. So you have to be constantly on yourself for the things that you're making and being able to stay connected to other people for feedback and kind of doing that. On the other side of it, I mean, you're doing everything for yourself. So like, I mean everything for yourself at personal growth in the way that you're you're developing your own skills. So when you do a project that's successful, like you can really look back on yourself and reflect and be like, oh, wow, I put a lot of time into that and I saw the results. And because of that project, I got the next project. So it is really self-fulfilling in that regard. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of pros and cons that I see it. Also, this year has been completely crazy because I was not expecting to go through a global pandemic my first year and move to New York, which happens to be the epicenter. So <laughs> yeah, how has that been as a freelancer going through this crazy time? And, and we're not through it by any means. Um, what's that experience been like for you um, as, a, as a creative, as a designer? Yeah, I mean... It was it was really terrifying when this all started to happen. Obviously, I was scared for everybody's health and my family and and friends. But when it comes to work and the economic factor of it, you're like all of the things that I had planned for workshops and events and those types of things. They were all just kind of like cut, and I was like, well, now what? What's going to happen? I was super scared because I had just um, hired my manager. So I was like, how am I going to be able to continue doing this? Like, this is just, this is really scary. But with that, I was like, I can't just let myself be lazy during this time and sulk in the fact that I can't go travel and I can't do the things that I thought I was going to be able to do. So I tried to find different ways to continue building my social things that I knew that I could have in my control. So I was like, let me see if I could put out more work, things that I've had here at home, if I could continue working on my social media during that time, which I'd say was pretty successful. It's if you can capitalize on a moment of everybody being on their phones and being home and being able to share your stories, your ideas, um, and kind of give people the open forum as well to be able to talk about what they're going through. So that was something that was really important to me. And I was able to shift some of the events and things that I had planned to digital, which has, I think for all of us, I mean, right now, this is really awesome to be able to um, do these types of things. And you sometimes you just have to make it work with what you have. And I, I think a lot of people are realizing like, you can have a bigger audience sometimes online than you could in person. So I had maybe some things that I had planned that I probably would have gotten like maybe 50 or 100 people to be able to come to, but now it's global. So thousands of people can join. So it's been kind of an interesting experience, I think, for everybody. I don't know how you've been feeling during this time, but I almost feel like we're all finding ways to make it work. Yeah, I definitely feel like the world is just getting a lot smaller uh, in mm-hmm. in more ways than one. And in some ways, that's you know, if you if you have to look for like some positives out of this, situation, it's hard to do that. But 
I, you know, it's nice to know that it's like, yeah, we are so connected in a way. Like there's, there's a good, good and bad of that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think overall, it's really nice to know how connected we are. Um, yeah. And that opportunity that you have to reach more people. And, and, you know, personally, I know, and, and my wife will say the same thing, like, um, you know, you putting out more work is like, it's just a little piece of joy. Like when I'm scrolling through Instagram and like, you see like, a product that you took and created and, and, and turned it into something completely different, right? Like that brings a little bit of joy into to people's lives. I'm, I'm sure that y- you hear that from other people, but um, that's got to feel good knowing that, yeah, I'm creating something and, you know, people maybe find some kind of benefit out of it right now during this time. And I know I felt that it's like, Oh wow. That like at least brought me some kind of yeah you know, good feelings during this time. So. No, I love that. And that's also something like I really have been trying to bring people together. I mean, my social media is, I want it to be just like a, a place for creatives and anyone to be able to come and see things to help inspire them. But also for me to open up, my ideas and tools to them as well. And so during that time, I've done like a contest for DIY mm-hmm. house shoes and things for people to take part in as well. So maybe you don't have that design background, but you're curious and you want to try something out. And I always want to be supportive of that as well. So, you know, and that, that contest was great. I know we had a, a few students participate and uh, so saw the fruit, fruit by the foot. Um <laughs> Uh, sandals that were submitted by one of our students. So I love I know, that. It's I know so that creative. was great. So <laughs> I know that was, that was fun for them. And so I, I appreciate your, like you wanting to create community and that's what people need right now is like, is connection, like physically getting, you know, close together is, is not possible, but like that connection mm-hmm. with people is so important. And it's great to know that you're trying to create that for people. Your whole work, like from my perspective is like, and, and most designers, right? You're working within constraints um, and your products in particular, like you're working around like a product that already exists and how do you turn that and work around those constraints to turn it into something else? Now we're kind of working in like the ultimate, ultimate constraints, right? You're, you're in mm-hmm. the same place, like you're in yeah. your home. Um, how has that experience been for you? And like, have you... Um, you already already find like the beauty in the ordinary and like turning it into something else like has that gone to another level like looking at the same things in your house over and over and some of the same objects that you've already created with I know you've been upcycling your upcycled products yeah Um, what's what's that been like for you with some you know someone who works within constraints yeah I love working within constraints like that's one of my favorite things to me I look at a blank piece of fabric and it scares me. I love things that have shape and seams and buttons and things that like, I I have to figure that out. So for me, it just works better when it's already existing. Um, I, lo- I love to talk to designers about this because I'll go back to my volleyball example. So one of the first pieces I ever like inanimate objects that I took apart was a volleyball and it was, I was trying to keep it closest to the shape without completely altering it. I wanted to still make it have that, that vibe, the, the roundness, like the softness of the volleyball. And so I learned when you deconstruct a sporting equipment, like a ball, you can take out the stitching and it has already the stitch holes in it. So I didn't actually have to stitch anything new. Um, I just used the existing holes. I just kind of took it apart, reshaped it without, I made like two cuts in it and just kind of molded it and re-stitched through the holes. So that's almost my metaphor for life, (laughs) if you can kind of put it together. But it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's there. You just need to be able to reconfigure it and you don't always have to alter it so much it's it's there in front of you and so i mean during this time yes i've i have taken apart everything that i've probably had in my house that's something that i live by is 
if I created it as a project for exploration, I don't have an attachment to it. So people think it's like sacrilegious for me to like make something and then cut it up and create something new. But for me, it's like that continues the lifespan of it. And I never feel super attached to anything I create because I know that it could be something else. So, um, and I, I made it once. So if I have to make it again, I'll do it again. There's plenty of volleyballs out there that you can recreate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's been during this time, like really digging deep and kind of looking back through some of my first initial ideas. And I've been using even a lot weirder materials because that's what's here. And I'll gladly go into my fridge and start (laughs) taking leftovers and making it a project. So that was, that was my next question is, is (laughs) like, you're kind of working with what you have and, and have you found like even more common objects becoming more interesting to you? Like you're, you're worked a lot with sporting goods and, and, um, you know, textiles and, and those materials. I've seen a lot more cereal, a lot more yeah. food. Like, so maybe in a way, this has kind of opened up like a new, like new materials for you because yeah. your world is so much more constrained. No, it's so true. And I, I don't, so when it comes to like food, I'm very, I'm very serious about the upcycling aspect of it. As much as my work is very playful and very fun, I don't waste things. Like that's just goes against everything. So if I have like, packaging or food in packaging that I can like make and then eat like I decided to do a croissant top (laughs) that was my breakfast so like there's I mean I just try to push things even further than I guess you would even think Um, but food is here at home and it's kind of something that we're all it's available to us right now right, we're yeah. we're all sitting home eating so yeah. i start to see things even further i think when i look at it um but yeah it, it's been an interesting time for materials and i think coming out of this i i'm realizing like things could be pushed even further and mm-hmm. i could even open my mind like i thought i was maybe like opening my mind before now it's even more open for better or for worse cuz some of my pro- i this is something, sorry, I'm going on like a tangent now. I don't normally have projects that aren't unsuccessful. Like I'd say out of like 10 projects, maybe one, I can't get it to work, whether that's like I try to reconfigure it. During this time, I've had a lot more and I'm kind of happy with that because I'm, it's, it shows that I'm pushing myself and the, the materials that I'm using to its fullest potential. Right. Is, do you think that's like material failure or like what, what is the common thread that you started to see in those failures? Um, a little bit of like I'm starting to try to use things that maybe aren't supposed to be reworked. But also I think it goes back to us, what we said in the beginning with putting the pressure on yourself. So right. I think because I'm trying to keep pushing myself to create things, even if I'm exhausted and tired and don't have the energy to do it. I, I see a lot more failures, but I don't always look at it like that because then sometimes those things inspire my next project, which has happened quite a bit. So, right. Uh, something else that you kind of peeled back the curtain a little bit. It's like a magician revealing their, their, you know, their trick, their secret a little. Um, but it, it seems like, um, I don't know, like a lot of people I think are intimidated by creating something like, oh, I have to be the best at sketching or I have to be the best at this program or, you know, I have to understand CAD or, you know, I need to be a master seller and all those things are helpful. I think they like enhance your abilities to, to create or, um, but I love how you started. It was, it was hot glue. It was taking existing outsoles, right. And attaching them to other materials. And, um, you know, we, we try to teach our students, like, just start with cardboard, right? Like just Mm -hmm. get a basic shape, like get your idea into the world. Um, how important is that to you that really anyone can create? Not, not everyone can do what, what you're doing, right. And necessarily have like like make those connections between materials and what something could become, but everyone can like glue something together, right? Yeah. Everyone can cut something um, and assemble. Like how important is that to you that like creation is something that a lot of people can do, like more people than we think. Like yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? 
that so anytime I speak with like young people or people that are just starting that's something I always say with consistency I'd say it's always just if you have an idea just try to make it it's as simple as that is it sounds and like as cliche as it is to be like oh just make your idea you need to do it because like no one's gonna push you to do it and if you're waiting for the right moment and for everything you're to be the best sketcher or to be the best illustrator whatever it is like that could take a long time and within that time you could be building yourself and getting better and getting feedback and really honing in on that but I'd say people are just usually so scared to start and they're afraid of failure they're afraid of not even what other people would say, but what they think about themselves. And I mean, I definitely, I had that moment before I started putting stuff out in the world. You kind of second guess yourself. And you're like, does this actually look good? Like, does this make sense? And it, it just, it doesn't. You just need to try and you need to start somewhere. And like, whether that's the rawest, roughest sketch or paper, whatever materials you have available, you could tape something together and just to see what it looks like because you'll get better at it, you'll see something that might inspire your next progression. And from those materials that you used, it could inspire like the color that like, it could be something so simple. Like you use cardboard, you like the way the brown looks, you want to create a shoe out of that. Like there's so many connections and little things that will help you later on. You just need to start. Yeah. I think, I I think especially when you like have an idea and you think about it and I'm, I'm sure you felt this way, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you have an idea and you start to realize, well, if I don't do this, who else is going to do it? Right. I think that's when it's really <laughs> exciting. I don't know if you feel the same way, but. Oh yeah. Um, all the time. If I, so like, if I have an idea, I have to like, I have to do it as fast as possible. Cause I'm like, this is, I have such an idea. I have to see it. I have to make sure that like I, put it out there because not that I'm like someone else is going to take my idea, but like you have that idea and like that's yours. And so make it happen. Right. And I feel like, like as soon as you do that and you complete it, like, I don't know, there's some positive reinforcement that, that comes from that. So the next time that you feel that you're like, you'll know, Oh, like I'm going to feel so good when I complete this. Right. This, Mm -hmm. the next time that you feel that, um, I know I'm, I'm not necessarily a designer or anything, but you know, I've had moments like that recently. It's like, oh, I need to do this thing. Like, I don't know who else is going to do it. And I kind of yeah. use that to drive me to like, to, to complete projects or, or put something out into the world that I just don't think exists. And I don't know if anyone else is going to do it. So. Oh, um, I love that. That's so like, I'm so happy that you said that. And also it's so funny because a lot of the time I get a, like, I'll get comments on social and they'll be like, I'll make something that someone will just comment why. And I'm just like, why, Why not? not? Like yeah. somebody like has to do it. Someone has to put a tennis ball on their foot, like in the world. So like that, that could be you, you know, you could think of a material or an idea and it's like somebody has to do it. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, how do you feel like your work is, you know, obviously your work has blown up. We didn't even talk about the whirlwind, the press train that you've been on. And um, I mean, your name and your work is, has you know, is all over. Um, what do you hope um, the larger impacts of your work are on the world? I know you've you've probably got big plans now um, and and thoughts and. But what do you want to happen from your work getting into the world? What do you want people to to do when they see it? Or what larger impacts do you hope to have on on the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think just going back to inspiring people because that was my first goal with all this it wasn't to create a brand or a namesake or anything like that it was to just purely create and do explorations and inspire myself and like I never would have imagined to be able to inspire other people and to I just I don't know that's so important to me to continue doing that and to create that community and to build that space for anybody to be able to come in and have their own version of what they're trying to do um also something that we didn't really i didn't dive too deep into it but upcycling and the idea of sustainable creation is a big part of my work as we mentioned like i reuse projects over and over again and any materials i have available um but i've made such great connections with larger companies and industry people that have those runoff 
dead stock materials and things that people are giving to me I've almost become like the trash can in the industry where they're like oh well we have all this fabric do you want it Um, so now it's for me it's important to be able to kind of make those connections to schools and younger designers and DIY artists that need materials with those brands that don't know what to do with it yet so because a lot of brands don't have the capacity or they don't have the um, resources in place to have circular models for creation so it is really in the future making those connections and just building an overall better system for it yeah then i yeah system is the perfect word for it right there's just not a system in place i mean certain companies are trying to re-engineer their system so that those items those materials can be used but it's like a systematic change and and that only happens when there's people like you and um kind of a a mass movement towards demanding that right um Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it's funny you mentioned like feeling like your apartment or, you know, your studio is like the garbage dump of, you know, forever <laughs> all the brands. And, and we've kind of felt that way too. It's, you know, brands feel good about themselves when they send like scrap rolls or, and you know, and rolls or materials to us. And they feel like they're being sustainable sending it to us. Like, oh, okay. It's out of my hands a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, what do I do with swatches that are, you know, that big or, so we've we've kind of had a struggle with that too. It's like, what do you do with like really small, you know, swatches or, um, mm-hmm. you know, recently we had how many pallets? We had four, four or five pallets of uh, fabric rolls that showed up. It was a mill that wow. sent those to us and they were, you know, it was going to get thrown away. And so we've had to figure out how do we make this available for the students to create and and um, take that and run with it and and use these materials that were otherwise going to be thrown away. So. I have something with that though, because a lot of these brands, they like, they started sending me things, but even before that I was just using thrifted items and using those branding hits on it. And I'm always, I'm always like, you didn't know how good your brand could look or how interesting your brand could look. And so I love that us as the design community and DIY designers, we need to be doing this as designers to be able to help them figure out the next step for to make their business model more sustainable or ethical. So I love putting that challenge on us. Like if you if you can create out of whatever scrap fabric you have available, whether it's from what a thrift store or if a brand gave it to you or whatever, however you got it, if you're able to maximize it and make it as interesting or as new as possible, Brands are going to be like, oh, we should have done this. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll definitely do that. Um, that that kind of brings up an interesting like whole conversation around like the power of brand and like you could make and maybe you've done this right. You make a product out of a brand's materials or old products without the brand hit or logo on there, and you know maybe people don't bat an eye, but as soon as that logo is on there, like for some reason that you know, can elevate or catch their attention. And I'm sure you've had that experience. Um, just the power of brand um, yeah. is interesting. Yeah, it is. And I'm trying to find like a balance because I think when I first started, power of brand was very important to me because yeah. I think it was just as a graphic designer, like coming from, that was what I was doing a lot at Reebok was branding. So when I started creating these things, I loved positioning the branding as a part of my um, project. And I, I mean, I still do that today, but I've definitely started to stray away from that and kind of just make it a little bit of more ghost designed. Like you don't know what, what material this is. It just looks visually interesting and it doesn't need to have that branding to sway you one way or the other. Right. It kind of seems like the era that we're in, in like brand is so powerful, like, and people are drawn to brand, but at the same time, people also want something that's unique in their own. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it kind of seems like we're pulled between those two, like constantly. Yeah. It's like, I want the most unique thing, but I also want to be attached to this, this brand. And yeah. you're kind of, you're, you're kind of going between those two, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, we haven't been able to get out, um, and, and so much of your work relies on like thrifting and taking old materials. I'm sure you've been doing online thrifting. How, what's the difference been in those experiences or when you're looking for materials? Like there's something different, you know, when you're just like flipping through shirts and at, at a thrift store, there's a different feeling. But what's that experience yeah. been sourcing materials? 
Um, it's very limited. So I, at first I was turning to some online like apps and resell apps and that kind of stuff. But I started to feel like I was like, I want to support people during this time and buy things and, and get those products. But at the same time, I was like, I don't, I feel weird having them have to go out and send me those things. Right. So yeah. I actually stopped for a bit because as much as I want to support all of my cool vintage shops on online, I don't want to put them at risk because they have to go send me a jacket or something. Right. So yeah. I've been at least if I'm going to order something, I want to order multiple pieces to make it really worth it for them to to ship it and to be able to support them. Um, but yeah, I mean, not going to thrift stores and not being able to go out and even just the walk to the thrift store, like that could inspire you for something if you if you're really looking, you know. So it's it's definitely a different time right now not being able to do that. And I think I've had to really use my brain to be able to come up with project ideas and not rely so much on like flipping through shirts or materials and and jackets to be able to get a color inspiration or a material inspiration because sometimes I'm not even buying the product but it might I might be like oh I have something similar at home I could use for that I just needed to see it in a different place so it's yeah it definitely goes back to me just using what I have here but different vibe overall we we talked a little bit about um i guess when all of this started breaking out um just having to be at home um what that experience has been like you and or for you and and um kind of feeling like at first you just needed to go 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 and like create more 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 and um like it's it's nice to know that like i'm i'm sure you're taking downtime as well like that's important like taking care of your own mental health and um you know, you can't just go, go, go and keep creating yeah. all the time and you've got to ride that wave. Um, but what, what have you been doing to distract yourself or like are, picked up any new hobbies? Like, is there anything that you've done that's like helped your creativity or, or been a release for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a few things. So it's not even so much like even creative exhaustion, but like I'm not able to... Um, climb and work out like I normally do so that's been also kind of a weird feeling because that's another outlet for me when I've been designing all day or traveling or doing something it kind of helps me mentally take myself out of it because I do normally live and work in the same space so to be able to have that other outlet and the fact that I don't have that right now is kind of difficult but I found myself um doing other things that can end up having some type of creative twist. And so I'm going to, I'm going to expose myself, but I was been playing a lot of animal crossing. Guilty. No, guilty. You're fine. <laughs> and so like, but I found myself like finding creative ways to bring my designs into the game, which also as much as it seems kind of like crazy and whatever, but I'm thinking about AI generated clothing. And because yeah. personally, I, I don't have the capacity to be able to create lines of clothing and, and hand make one-offs for everybody that asks for them. I'm kind of thinking about the future and maybe it's not this moment right now, but in the future you look at what it could be like to have virtual clothing and and that world. And so I'm trying to kind of dip my toes into that and see what that would be like. So yeah, I've, I've definitely been enjoying playing a little bit of switch here and there. That's important. No, that's and it's (laughs) like, I've done some of that myself. Like I was like, Oh, this is fun just to like make jazz jerseys. Right. Or like whatever (laughs) it is, like um, the creation tools in there have been really fun. And it's just another, another tool, another outlet. Um, I, I know I saw someone made, or did you make the oven mitt? Um, someone made that. Someone made that, right? Yeah. And started I was making like, your work, which which was really cool. Yeah, um, I love that. <laughs> we, we had a student, I was, I was talking to her and and we we weren't able to hold our senior exhibit for these graduating students. We just had to put their, mm-hmm. their portfolios online and it was, it was pretty disappointing. Just they couldn't yeah. present their physical work um, to the public. And, and this one student, I just told her, it's like, well, make 
you know, like, yeah, have your portfolio, but make your senior projects in Animal Crossing. And she's like, oh, I should do that. Like, I love like, that. Yeah, why not? Like, just take this it's time crea- and be creative. It's still creative. Yeah. It is as much as people are like, oh, it's like a video game. Like, there's still, I mean, there's still tools and resources in it that you might not even have in your real life. So. It's, it's so true, right? <laughs> um, no, I think that's important. Um, any other anything else you feel like you've been doing that's helped you like recharge or um, even just distract yourself? Like that's important too. Yeah. Um, I'd say I definitely have been sketching, even not product related, just mm-hmm. drawing, going kind of back to my roots there. Um, I mean, podcasts always, I listen to a lot of like podcasts. I haven't been reading as much as I probably should have been because the book that I was reading when quarantine started was a book about behavioral economics. And I was just like, I don't think I could stomach this right now. (laughs) And reading anything about like economics right now is just like, it's too too scary. But podcasts have been good. Um, I've been watching some, some fun shows. I've watched uh, whose line is it anyway? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that show. It's I like grew, imp- yeah, I grew up watching that. Yeah, great. it's such the, a good the classic like, imp- ones or like the reboot ones. So both because I was like originally I was just like I just want to see the classics and then I somehow went through um like four hundred episodes. Oh my god! <laughs> but mostly background noise. But you know, yeah. I, I end up flying through them. So now I'm on like the the reboot, which isn't it's not as good, but it's still yeah. something. Yeah. It's no, it's great. a light it's a light right now because it's yeah. it's funny and it's keeping me entertained in that regard. But you know, it it is funny like the stuff that'll come up like. It, and you know you never know when that's like going to be helpful later or like what that does for you even if it's a distraction or some kind of inspiration or like mm-hmm. even just like gives you a little bit of joy like um that's that's good I think yeah that's great. but I find that like yeah but like you even watch a show that's not anything related to what you're doing mm-hmm. but they might say something in it that's like clever or they might think of something or like where something it really like I find myself finding inspiration from anything right now any type like if it helps you create a connection like that's really important like I've really loved podcasts like obviously you know maintain your your relationships with people that you have in your life but like I felt like podcasts have given me connection and in some ways like I hear these people talking and it's like I know them like yeah they're like become yeah. a part of your life in a way so like just connection in general I think is especially important right now but Definitely. Um, I guess, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time. You got, you got lots going on, but um, what, what have you learned about yourself during this whole experience? I think I've started to really realize how resilient, not just me, but humans in general can be and to be able to like start I don't know start over in a way for yourself that like you work with what you have available and that's always kind of been my my mindset but like really everyone is in the same boat right now and just like using what you have at home and what's what's there in the moment and so I think resilience has been a a trait and something that I want to continue to keep as this um goes back hopefully to a more normalized or a new normal way of living. Um, I'd say I want to be less, I don't know, pushing myself to continue to push myself, but like less anxious about things. I think I've been able to reflect quite a bit on just my personal growth and my business and and kind of like a lot of things are just out of your control and you can't so stress over it and like we're realizing firsthand like we never could have seen this coming and you can't really plan your life so much as you want to so you have to be able to just go with things and make things work in your favor and work with what you have so something I want to continue living by after this I hope people don't just like forget this you know and go back I mean as much as we want to like go back to a normal world like we've all learned something during this time yeah absolutely I I think those are great takeaways those are things that I'm going to try to work on myself so um you know we'll we'll leave it there but what uh how's the best way to connect with you I know the Instagram will will leave in the description um what's the best way to to keep up with what you're working on 
Yeah, I mean, Insta, and uh, if you want to reach out through email, I'm always happy to do like portfolio reviews, or if you have even just a project that like you're excited about and you want to get it in front of somebody and like for feedback or just to be like, oh, look what I made. I'm always open to seeing things. Um, my schedule can get a little bit crazy, but I try to yeah. get back to everybody as fast as I can. Um, but yeah, always feel free to send me stuff like on DM. I try to check in and see what everyone's up to. So Yeah, well, that's how we got connected. And I appreciate yeah. you even being willing to, <laughs> to connect with us and, and talk. You can and, even, if you want to link my uh, personal Instagram, I'm happy okay. to be uh, exposed on my Not Just Slippers account. It's a little more manageable for me to be able to like see everything. <laughs> right, we'll include those in the description. So. Awesome. Well, Nicole, thanks again for taking time and... Um, stay safe, stay resilient. Um, appreciate everything you're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. This is good talking to you. And thank thanks everybody for watching, listening. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on highlanderbag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.